Hello and welcome to this podcast series which explores the recently published book A New Dynamic 2. The book looks at effective systems in a circular economy and contains 11 articles which span a variety of fields including architecture, agriculture, design, business and engineering providing insights that point towards a new regenerative framework for economic prosperity. My name is Colin Webster and I work with the Ellen MacArthur Foundation who published the book. What can traffic lights tell us about how our economy could work? That might sound like a strange question to ask, and I think it probably is, but I know one person who makes the connection. Dirk Helbing is a professor of computational social science at ETH Zurich. He wrote a chapter for A New Dynamic 2 about what we can learn from a complex dynamic system, automated traffic lights, and how that knowledge could help us understand a feedback-rich circular economy. Dirk, there'll be people who um, are listening to this who are interested in the circular economy. They might be wondering, what on earth can they learn from traffic lights? Why should they be interested in hearing about traffic light systems? Well, urban traffic systems are an example for systems where there's a competition for scarce resources. In this case, it's space and time. And we cannot basically serve everyone's interests at the same time, right? So we need to prioritize. That's what traffic lights do. Uh, but we can do that in a good or in a bad way. And in fact, it turns out that based on self-organization, we can be about 30% more efficient. That's quite interesting. That's important for other scarce resources and their management too. So basically, we think that uh, economic systems can be reorganized in such a way that they can be much more efficient and that they would evolve towards a circular economy. And how would we do this? Well, basically, now there's the Internet of Things. And the Internet of Things allows us to measure the external effects of interactions between companies, between companies and the environment, between companies and people, people and people and all this. And uh, that means that we can really measure all those externalities now, which would be noise or uh, poisons or emissions of all kinds, but also positive things, right? Like the creation of new jobs, um, of cooperation and those things that uh, we'd like to happen. So that could be measured, it could be given a value or price, and we could create feedback loops uh, with a system that I call Finance 4.0. And uh, through those feedback loops, we would basically encourage a more efficient use of resources and recycling. That means uh, the avoidance of waste And I personally believe that also what we now call the sharing economy would be an integrative part of such a circular economy. So this is now evolving and technology is allowing us actually to support this evolutionary process and to speed it up dramatically. Now, basically to build this finance for the O system, we need to combine uh, the Internet of Things with fintech, I mean financial technology such as blockchain chain technology to allow for the creation of new kinds of incentive systems and currencies. 
and to apply also complexity science that allows us uh, to create those feedback loops that would drive the system towards desirable outcomes. And all of that's now available. We just need to combine it. We need to do it and we need to open it up so everyone can make a contribution to the development of this future circular economy. What was it that got you interested in studying traffic systems in the first place? I was a physicist interested in complex systems and I got interested in real life. So <laughs> I was looking for interesting subjects to study and uh, crowds seemed to be very fascinating. And later on, I got interested in traffic, traffic jams and how to overcome them. So yeah, I thought physics could make a contribution to a better understanding. And in fact, it did. So tell us, what's the relationship between complex systems and traffic management? Well, complex systems are about systems made up of many parts. In this case, that could be people like pedestrians or it could be driver vehicle units that interact with each other. And as a result of this interaction, there is a mutual adaptation and that adaptation process um, produces a certain kind of complex dynamics. And uh, this dynamics could be stop and go traffic, for example, or it could be the formation of lanes of uniform walking directions in pedestrian crowds or oscillations at bottlenecks. These kinds of things that uh, occur through self-organization. That means as a result of the interactions between those system components, I mean, people or cars, and it's interesting that basically this self-organization process can be influenced by changing the interactions. So in the case of vehicles, uh, we can implement adaptive cruise control systems. So we can equip cars with radar sensors, for example, that measure distances and relative velocities. And we can let the cars respond automatically to these measurements. It means we can let them drive automatically these days we're talking a lot about self-driving cars, right? And uh, the cars would respond slightly differently from real humans, and in particular in such a way that it would stabilize the traffic flow and also increase slightly the capacity of the flow. And that can actually get rid of traffic jams, even if not every car is equipped with that kind of technology. Say 30% or 40% of cars is equipped with that technology, it would already have a collective effect. And it doesn't require a traffic center that is controlling every single car's movement. It's really something that's based on decentralized control, on local interactions, and basically on the choice or specification of the right kind of interaction. This is called mechanism design, and it's a very interesting field in economics. Actually, there were some Nobel Prizes for this. And this shows that this is a very important approach, right? I guess as we move toward a more automated transport system with the Internet of Things involved there, that soon our streets will know precisely what direction our cars are traveling in, uh, which would only mean that the, the cities could get smarter. And does that mean, therefore, that our transport systems will become more efficient? Absolutely. So we have not just dealt with uh, freeway traffic flows and how to improve those, but uh, also with urban traffic. And that's, of course, an even more complex problem to deal with. 
but uh, we've discovered that it's more effective to have the traffic flows control the traffic lights rather than the other way around as we have it today where we have traffic control centers that collect information from all over the city and then try to figure out optimal control plans and impose them all over the city so implementing a plan the problem though is that this plan is actually not adapted to the real traffic situation which is changing all the time so it's made for a typical traffic situation say monday morning between 10 and 11 or friday afternoon between 4 and 5 or so but you know there's no typical traffic situation that is changing all the time and for that very reason a flexible responsive approach as we've developed it that uh, is helping to coordinate traffic flows locally and spread such as organizations throughout the entire city that is actually more effective um, it can reduce travel and waiting times for cars for public transport for bikes for pedestrians and it makes travel times more predictable and it's also good for the environment because emissions are reduced and that's something that we'd like to reach, right? So what's the broader lesson we can learn from the chapter you've written about our economic system? Because you're comparing two systems. One is a top-down approach, um, probably based on rush hour traffic, versus a bottom-up pr- approach where the lights change according to the flow of traffic in that particular moment. What does that teach us about how our economy could work? Yeah, this is really very interesting. So what we discovered is that uh, this top-down approach is actually not very effective when it comes to complex dynamical systems. First of all, you can never get all the data. Second of all, you can never process all, all the data. And in case of complex optimization problems, you cannot do the optimization in real time. So there are a number of constraints here and uh, this is really important for the performance of those systems so that actually restricts the idea that there would be a benevolent dictator that if he just had enough data could do the best job for the system now it turns out um, that bottom-up approaches can actually outsmart such top-down control Uh, And we've actually looked at two different bottom-up approaches. Uh, One would be based on every single intersection trying to minimize travel times of those vehicles approaching that intersection. So each intersection would do the optimal thing as Homo economicus would do it, right? so selfish minimization of travel times and it turns out this is also not very effective in particular at very high traffic volumes. Now there is a third way of bottom-up control where we consider the externalities that means uh, the impact that the control of one intersection has on its neighbors and that actually produces a very efficient coordination of traffic flows. So based on very simple assumptions, very simple local control principles, it's possible actually to outsmart 
the top-down control and also the homo economicus approach. That means other regarding decision-making that takes into account externalities on other system elements is really the approach that will do it. Why is it that so many economists are addicted to the idea of mechanism and equilibrium in these days of complexity science? So um, our economy is changing because uh, we are networking it, right? So we're connecting more and more systems with each other. And that produces a complex dynamics and in particular emergent phenomena. That means new kinds of systemic properties, um, dynamical patterns, for example. And uh, this is really important. So the network nature of the economy makes it something like an ecosystem. And that means that, in a sense, everything depends on everything else. So what can happen is there can be feedback effects, uh, there can be cascade effects, there can be side effects. And um, this produces the kind of complexity we've been talking about, right? So it's really important to have a systemic view and to understand that um, if we want to do well, then we need to pay attention to how well other people are doing or other countries. That's kind of an implication of the globalization that we have reached by now. Everything is so connected that uh, whatever we do will sooner or later feed back on us. So we need to take into account all those interaction effects. And that's, of course, terribly complicated if you would consider it as a monstrous chess game, right? With 7 billion pieces and um, a whole lot of possible decisions, we could never figure that out. But if we have the right kind of simple local interaction principles, then this can help people to coordinate and that requires um, suitable incentive systems that we need to build. I was talking about this finance for the O system and uh, then the system by itself would find into a favorable state. What would you like people who are interested in economics and resource questions, what would you like them to understand? I think we need to understand that uh, we are about to run into serious resource shortages in a number of areas, phosphorus, for example, nitrogen, uh, water, and uh, other materials, actually. So we really need to learn to use resources much more efficiently. And that requires us to build a circular economy and also to promote a sharing economy. And it's very important to understand that we will not be able to manage those challenges within the framework that we've built and used in the past. Albert Einstein has said, we cannot solve the problems within the framework that has created them. And this is actually exactly the situation we're in. So we need a new framework. And that new framework, I think, would be one that's um, a free bottom-up organized system as um, the democratic capitalist system has been. 
but considering externalities, which we couldn't do in the past because it was so difficult to measure those externalities. Now, however, we have the technologies to build that system. I mean, it's the Internet of Things and FinTech, I was mentioning blockchain technology, that's now available just for a few years. And that will allow us to come up with this game-changing framework that allows us really to overcome some of the hardest problems of this century. And we really should build a system that means this new socioeconomic framework that will help us to create a thriving economy for the 21st century. Dirk Helbing, thank you for this fascinating chat. Okay, great. Thank you. If you'd like to learn more about complex dynamic systems or read about the other themes explored in the book A New Dynamic 2, you can order your copy from the Ellen MacArthur Foundation website. In addition, you can join me speaking to more contributors to the book by looking out for the other podcasts in this series. But until next time, it's goodbye for now.